Hello and welcome to another episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller alongside Pat Williams as always. An early happy holidays to all the listeners at home listening. Pat, to you as well. Uh, you know, as people are winding down for the holiday season and the HL games are, are coming to a pause, we thought it'd be a good time to evaluate sort of where certain teams are at and whatnot and some of the players that are off to the World Juniors. But before we get to that quickly, Pat, any any holiday plans on the horizon for yourself? Yeah, no, it's it's... It's traditionally kind of like a very hectic time because, like this year, for example, they play right up to the twenty third, and then actually the Marlies and Belleville go on Boxing Day. So, and then teams always load up on games post, like you know, right. going into the new year because it's a good attendance time, right? Like kids are done school or off from school and families, you know. So um, it's actually kind of a busy time. Um, so. Yeah, you know, I'll rest in the summertime. Makes sense. So let's get to the players that are that are off the world juniors, top prospects that, you know, if you're a fan of your team's prospects and, and property, I'm absolutely sure you've heard of them. And if not, well, we'll be sure to tell you about them. So Cleveland defenseman David Yerichek is going to the world juniors. Manitoba sending Chaz Lucius and Brad Lambert. Providence is sending Fabian Lazelle. Rochester sending Isaac Brad. Isaac, oh, sorry, Isaac Rosen and uh, Yuri Kulich, and then Utica sending Simon Nemec. So I think every single person that's listed was a first round pick, first of all. And so let's get that out of the way, right? Everyone there's a first round pick. Uh, yes. Yeah. Everyone. So, and including uh, second overall Nemec. So, exactly. Um, you know, Jared Checkman sixth. Uh, and I guess technically, if you, friend of the show, Shane Wright, if you add him, he went fourth, right? So he sort of counts like he was in Coachella Valley for uh, for a hot minute. So, yeah, we'll throw him in there as well. So let's go by let's go by the countries. So Czech Republic is getting Yuri Kulich and David Yerichek. Uh, I know that we talked about Kulich earlier in the year. Still trucking along in Rochester. You've seen him more than me. I take it. Tell us about what you could expect from him at the tournament and sort of the season he's had so far. Yeah, he's fit in really well, which, you know, it's been interesting because like, you know, as a forward, uh, you know, somewhat, I don't want to say he's undersized, but he's not certainly like, I don't think completely filled out yet. And he's gone in there and just had a really good uh, introduction first two months or so at 18 years old. And that's, that's a tough, um, there's not a lot of protection there, you know, as a, as a, especially as a forward in some regards um, coming in there. So uh, as a 28th overall pick. Um, like you said, a little bit on the, not small, but slighter, I guess, side, I, I describe him as, but, um, he's producing, right? Like, you know, Rochester's kind of a fun team in general, like they play an up-tempo style. And I think that, uh, that fits him well. And he walked into a, a good situation in that regard. So, uh, yeah, I like a lot of, uh, what he's shown so far. 16 points in 24 games for Kulich. Then the other guy they're getting is David Yerchek, given, uh, you know, the data that I have from Instat Hockey, I can tell you that he's third in game score for under 23 defensemen with a 0.85 game score per game. Your check, as we said last episode, stud defender would have to think he's going to be a big time player. And probably if you were coining favorites, heading to the tournament, someone that will probably be on a first ballot all-star if all goes well. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Um, you know, he's, he's handling the HL, uh, quite well i mean you know there are nights when he looks 18 years old sometimes right and sure like you know that there's those mistakes that are going to crop up for any young defenseman you know and just 
basic things of when do you press the play, when do you not. But um, we we spoke about them last week. Uh, you know, great marks in Cleveland right now from the coaching staff, and uh, I agree with you. I think he should dominate at that tournament. I think anything less than that, I would be I'd be really surprised. 18 points in 18 games for a year check. Again, he's 19 years old, putting up, up those numbers as a defenseman. Just quickly on him, is he someone you could see with a strong tournament going back up to Columbus afterwards? Or do you think this is just another step of the development plan? Could Is there anything he could do to be on Columbus's roster after? I think, yeah, it depends. You know, you know obviously Columbus's season is, is unraveling and mm-hmm. has unraveled. And um, so depending on what they want to do, if they start moving uh, guys out, like, you know, I saw like Gavrikov, for example, might, you know, might be moved out at some point. So, um, yeah, I, I, if he doesn't kind of springboard right from world junior to Columbus, I don't think it will be a whole lot long afterward. Right. Like, so, um, especially if he goes there and really, you know, really dominates, which I think he will. So it'd be interesting, but I I could totally see him. They'll just bring him right up to Columbus, skip sending him back to Cleveland. And, uh, um, I don't think that would be the worst move for him at all. Like, I think, you know, he's, he's handling the AHL really well. I've been just impressed, right. Almost from the, from the get go with him. And it's worth noting that he's playing according to Instat over 23 minutes a night. That's no small feat um, as an 18 year old. And I, I think it, it's, we've talked about this quite a lot on the show about, players after being drafted in the first round, European guys being able to go to the AHL and, and start that process. When you're dominating at that level at this stage, it's a pretty good indicator that you'll be there for very mm-hmm. long. Uh, next team we will get to is the USA, and they will be getting Chaz Lucius. Um, Lucius is a guy that I, I've seen a decent amount this uh, this year. I actually think I've seen mo- almost every single one of his games um, before he was injured. And it's been a, it's been a bit of a tough go for him. And, you know, has to be expected in, in some situations, which is funny because he started the year out in the first weekend. I actually thought the game, um, the games, he was probably Manitoba's best forward. I believe he had like eight, like at, at least seven scoring chances through the weekend at even strength, some really strong results. And then he started to fade a little bit. And what's mm-hmm. tough is, is, and Manitoba was a team where last year, Mark Morrison got this group of guys that were all, I don't want to say system guys, but but really able to buy in, like players that are able to buy in. I'm not saying that Lucius isn't or Labrador isn't, but when you have first round picks that are going to get in the lineup off of merit, then a rotation happens. It it discombobulates everything. I think Manitoba is trying to feel things out, and in turn, you know Lucius. What's happening with him? I think is he's having to, and this happens quite often with players, is learn how to score at the next level. You can yeah. be, you know, and in that first series when he was able to get to the slot, which was impressive, I guess what you're, what the guy like him would have to learn is, okay, not every single team will have the same defensive formation. Not every single team will have similar personnel that will collapse the zone. Like you have to be able to adapt and adjust. So that's kind of where I think his learning curve is at. But I think for his sake, it'll be really nice to see him have a, have a tournament. He was injured in University of Minnesota last year. He hasn't played a lot of games over the last little bit. Dominant against his peers. Um, it's probably the best course of action. And I would suspect he'll be back with the Moose afterwards. I don't think he'll be going back to junior. Um, Jack Brozovic, who had a much better first pro season than him, though, he would, you know, came back as well. And I remember Moose personnel saying how they just looked at it as a extension of his development and not necessarily a means to going to junior. Um, let's get to Finland, though. Another Moose prospect, Brad Lambert. 
I don't know if there's a player that that needs a better tournament than him. He's he's really uh, in need of of some positive momentum, I would say. Yeah, and you know, I try to always remember they're 18 years old, right? And you know that this can be a great tournament for, for those obviously those high highly touted AHL players that have come into the AHL and it's maybe a little bit more than um, they're ready to handle. And so you go there and you kind of you slide back a level. To, to something where you're more familiar, more comfortable, where you're where you're counted on to be one of the dominant players. Um, it can just be a good confidence boost uh, period. I think just a, a change of venue even, um, you know, and, and, and somewhat similar to Lucius Lambert. Like one of the challenges for the Moose is they get so many of those back-to-back games against the same opponent. Yeah. Um, so they can really learn you and key in on you pretty fast. And, you know, and it's everything they're doing is very current. So um, that, that's a challenge, I think, for any sort of uh, prospect uh, facing a schedule like that. Like you don't, you, you don't see Chicago this week and maybe don't see them for another, you know, two weeks, right? Like you're, you're seeing them back to back nights. That, that's tough, right? Like, um, so, um, you know, I think for him, just get away from it, um, go and, you know, be around players your own age, even like just even that off ice component, I think will be really good for him. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think that Lambert certainly could end up in junior with Seattle after, which very well could be the good thing for him. And otherwise, Manitoba could say, you know what, you'll come back with us. We'll, we'll you know, hopefully, get, depending how it goes, you've gained some confidence and some momentum. We can carry it forward from there. Three points in 14 games for Lambert, pointless in his last 11 games, definitely in need of some positive momentum. All right, so before we uh, move on, let's get to our last um, our last team and then our, our last player here. So quickly, uh, Sweden is going to be sending uh, – Sweden will be receiving, pardon me, Isaac Rosen from the Rochester Americans and also Fabian Lazelle from the Providence Bruins. Just quickly, Pat, two guys that are, are having tremendous seasons. I, just tell us a bit about those guys and, and what we can expect from them at the World Juniors. Yeah, both elite, elite skill, Rosen, elite skating ability. Um Lysel, um, same, a lot of the same uh, playmaking as well. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of Providence this year and, you know, speaking with, you know, Ryan Rougenel and just that whole group there, um, really impressed by him and very good head on his shoulders. And so they told me last week, you know, that one of the things they really want to see from him is now he's going to go there and he's going to be, be counted on to be the centerpiece in a lot of ways of that lineup. And that's what they project him to be down the road in Boston, right? So this is a is a really good opportunity for him. He's certainly a key part of the Providence lineup, but now he's he's the guy, right? Um, so that's a it's a good it's a good kind of pressure to take on, and they feel that he's ready for it. And then when he does come back, uh, you know, certainly there's no rush for him. They're not uh, Boston doesn't tend to rush players, period. Um, so he can come back to Providence. They're hoping you, with even more confidence. Uh, and just Rosen, the same thing. Rosen, I think, uh, is, you know, maybe not as far along. You know, he's 18. He's a year younger than Lysel. But um, like I said, a lot of that same elite skill. So very impressed. Uh, I think Sweden should should definitely have another another good entry this season or this tournament. I don't know much about Slovakia's personnel, but I do know that Simon Nemec is an elite player. Another guy where it's, again, I don't want to be sound like a broken record, but another example kind of like your check where it's elite player from you know the last year's draft coming in blow like 
you know, not, I don't know if, if he's dominating as much as Yerchuk is, is in Columbus, but Simon Nemich is having a very strong start and another guy that could be poised to have a very strong tournament. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know that there's a, the same talent around him in Utica that your, your has in Cleveland, at least sort of offensively. And, and I don't even know that, that, uh, you know, their games aren't the same, uh, to start with, uh, other than that they're both very elite. Um, so, uh, but I, I thought he's fit in really well in Utica. Um, you know, he has Kevin Deneen there as his head coach. So, uh, a really good, high, high level coach um, to have guiding him there. And, uh, you know, New Jersey's certainly, certainly taking their time with it. I mean, there, there could have definitely been a case to be made to bring him up to New Jersey and, and put him in that lineup. But, um, you know, they're, they've really taken that patient approach. So I think, I think for him, this is another good opportunity. Just you're kind of stacking different experiences, one on top of the other. You just had two months now in the HL. Go have a good tournament. Now, when you do come back to Utica in January, uh, you're able to hit the second, you know, half of the season running, and you know uh, that's a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot. And you know he'll be counted on to do a lot both at this tournament and down the stretch for Utica as well. Let's move on to our prospect of the week, and that is Justin Barron of the Laval Rocket and also the Montreal Canadiens organization. Off to a real strong start with Laval, 16 points in 25 games, seven goals, so that's seven goals in there as well. First-round pick of Colorado was traded at the deadline on the way to their cup run. One of those guys where I think Montreal is really trying to be patient, take their time with, and get the most out of him in these formative years. But certainly a player that, you know, I if, if, if things shape out this way, could be on Montreal's blue line at some point this year for an extended period um, or not. What can you tell us about Justin Barron? Yeah, I mean, there, you know, with him, there hasn't been a lot of positives in Laval this season. It's, the team's had a really rough start. They've, they've started to turn it around a little bit, but they're still, you know, there's a lot of nights that are still pretty rough for them. Um, what I like about Barron, for one, is that he, he came through that first year or so rookie season in Colorado. So he had Greg Cronin as his head coach. You know, actually I actually spoke with Barron last month and it was, you know, you bring up Greg Cronin to him and he kind of chuckles because Cronin is extremely, extremely meticulous. Right. And like, like a lot of coaches now, sort of like a Ben girl, most of the West, uh, he'll right. pick apart your game, you know, to the umpteenth degree. And, you know, I think for young players, it can be, that can be tough at first, but you know, he really does set you up well. So when, um, he was obviously, you know, he went in that Lekkonen trade, you know, with Colorado. Uh, so a big, you know, Montreal's really count on him to be something, right? Uh, so I think there is that incentive to really take a patient approach. It, he's, I think, kind of the, like I said, one of the real bright spots in Laval, uh, real kind of focal point of their blue line. So um, I really like what I've seen from him so far. And I, I like the fact that he's in a, he is in a challenging environment just in the sense that uh, the team has struggled and, and you really, I think can see what a player is made of when they go through that. You know, it's one thing to, to be in a lineup where everything's going great and you don't have to um, do as much, but um, this is a different sort of challenge for him. And uh, you know, it's a little bit of a, not a sink or swim uh, situation, but um, it's, it's something where there's not a ton of support around you. So you are, you are sort of having to rise to the level. And I think he's done that so far. Interesting how you mentioned that he's a piece that they are, are counting on to be, you know, core, 
a core figure for them. Um, and I think that's that's certainly true. One more note about Justin Barron, 0.87 game score per game. That data is brought to you by Instat. And by my calculations, as of you know this morning, that's just a hair under Vili Heinola, who takes the lead with 0.88 game score per game. I should point out that Barron has 25 games played this year, Heinola 13. So even a large set. Even in a large, you know, sample size, Baron is trucking along quite well. Let's move on to a, a quick little topic we want to touch on, and that is is happening in the city I'm in right now, Manitoba's capital, with Arvid Holm and Oscari Salmon. And um, you know, the Jets have have sort of struggled a bit with with the goaltending depth for for a little bit. Mikel Burden was a a stud for for a little bit. Since then, there's been this sort of in between middle ground. Eric Crombie emerged the backup, then they lost him. Goaltending depth has been sort of a, 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 a tough thing for Winnipeg, but it seems like, you know, brighter days are ahead after last year when the Moose were one of the best play driving def- and defensive teams. And there was such a, you know, mild workload on their goalies. They had some of the worst goaltending league last year, but this year it's, it's quite the opposite. Arvid Holm is went from being one of the worst goalies in the league last year to one of the best. Oscar Salmonen, he's also a good 1B per se, even though they're, they're splitting the workload. What have you seen from that duo this year? And actually, first, let's go one by one. Sorry. Let's go by Salmonen, his first year in North America. What have you seen from him? Well, you know, Salmonen, for, you know, the thing that really stands out with me is just what a workhorse he is. And now, like last year, he played 55 out of 60 games for his team in Finland. It's just, it's a, I calculate it's over 92% workload, which is like absolutely unheard of. Like Mark never happens in his, in his peak, wasn't doing that with, with New Jersey. Right. So, um, so that there is that challenge now where you're used to playing that, uh, that workload. And now you, you are now in essentially you're a, a tandem. And, um, I think he's handled it well. I mean, you know, I was speaking with him uh, earlier and, it's a challenge. Like, like Finland's a very, very highly structured league. Um, yeah. You know, it's a very, like, almost, you know, I've used this now before, it's like checkers and, or, or chess. And then, you know, the AHL is anything but that. The AHL is right. drive the net, scramble, you know, you know, smack rebounds, you know, like kind of it's chaos at times, right? And so for a goalie to manage that, I think, is a, is a big adjustment. I think goalies sometimes go through as much of an adjustment as any position coming over from Europe into this league. Um, and I think he's handled it really well. Uh, good size, 22 years old, uh, works real closely there with Drew McIntyre, the uh, goalie coach for the Moose, uh, who's recently recently retired himself. So they have a very good relationship. Uh, I think they, they play off each other well. And uh, been very impressed by Salmonen so far. For Arvid Holm, last year was a tough year. I was on the beat for the Moose, and I, I saw it firsthand. Promising player. Had a very strong uh, the COVID season. He was in the SHL, 914 save percentage. Came over last year, and you know I'm not not exaggerating when I say that he was one of the worst goalies in the league last year. It was tough. Like there was a point where Evan Cormier, who is their third goalie, like he's in, I think he's in the AHL now, but ECHL kind of guy tweener there. He he surpassed home on the depth chart, and that was really tough. Mm-hmm. And you could see it on it was wearing on him a bit, and there was flashes where you saw. You know, maybe this guy could be a game breaker and he's got a tremendous figure, 6'4, 213, lanky, but very composed in the way that he mans the crease. And this year, the 923 save percentage, he's one of the best goalies in the league right now. Like, and it's crazy to see. I think it's also a testament to people like myself that maybe say, oh, like, and I, I've said this before where it's like, oh, you need to have a good goalie 
in the AHL to support the forwards and defensemen that are like, you know, to go to a longer playoff run. Cause I remember mm-hmm. last year I was like Manitoba, they ha- had a nucleus that seemed like they going to run. I wondered why they were voting their time with Burden and home, but goaltenders are the most important position. You got to put the most time in their development and Arvid Holmes, an interesting example of that. I'm sure Drew McIntyre, I'm sure Zinger, you know, the, the Moose GM, Craig Heisinger, I'm sure they had a, a belief in Arvid Holmes. You could tell they, they, there was probably a lot of instances where they could have justified sending him to the E. Like he really struggled last year. Mm-hmm. It, it was, and he was facing like, I'm not even exaggerating. He was, I think it was 15 shots a game. Like the Moose were, were, were barely sacrificing anything. So really tough there, but to see him this year, it's very impressive. And, and certainly, certainly he's at a point now where it's, he's, I, I would say Holm is third on the depth chart also by lieu of the fact, or by virtue of the fact that he was the one emergency recalled when uh, Hellebuck was, was out uh, on Tuesday evening. So interesting situation brewing in Manitoba and definitely encouraging for them. Yeah. I mean, the Jets are, you know, kind of a, there's never, I think really with Hellebuck's emergence a number of years ago, I don't think there's ever been a ton of pressure um, to have to internally develop another goalie, um, you know, so that they've kind of gone the, the free agent backup uh, path. You know, you bring in Bersois a couple of years ago, right? Uh, Riddich, you know, so I don't think it's necessarily been a top priority, but if you can develop um, at least one or two of, of, of either heart or home or salmon, I mean, I think, that's the ideal goal here. And I think that's kind of, I think they're just letting things play out. Like there's not a lot of rush here. Mm-hmm. You're going to take their time. See, let those two battle it, you know, and uh, see if in, you know, either next year, or even the year beyond, maybe that's, you know, one does sort of, you know, emerge as a clear front runner, but uh, that has been, um, you know, because early on, you know, with the jets, like they, they had a ton of success developing goalies. Um, they, brought in you know obviously Comrie was a pretty successful prospect and then Hellebuck I mean obviously I mean you expect him to be good but wow like <laughs> you're all right like you take a fifth rounder right and you turn him to a Vesna contender every year like I mean that's that's just, that's the, the ideal right so prospect uh, they're, development yeah, they're in a good position and prospect development is just a bunch of lottery tickets buy as many as you can yeah. and and you know, in, in Bridgeport, they've got Corey Schneider, who's a great partner to people, and in other places like Bakersfield, called Calvin Pickard. That works too. But I think that sure. if you have a situation where you have a guy like Salmon and Holm who are more than, but capable to be in the net and duke it out, that's the best you could hope for, really. Let's move on to, uh, you know, an interesting de- development situation. We can't really uh, pull, you know, pull any punches here. And that's in Vancouver, more specifically Abbotsford. They are our team of the week, the Abbotsford Canucks. Um, players that are processed of the Vancouver Canucks. Sort of an interesting uh, time for the organization, to say the least. While it, it, it's great for them that they have Abbotsford nearby, which, because they've been using them quite a bit, fans want to move, they've been getting quite a bit. They've got to they have a shuttle from Abbotsford to Vancouver with the amount of transactions they've been uh, logging there recently. Let's go through a couple guys that, that stick out to us and that are interesting to keep an eye on Canucks fans. The first one is Danila Klimovich one of the weirdest development paths you'll ever find. If you want to know how weird of a development path path he took, just search up his hockey DB. There's nothing before Abbotsford. There, there is nothing there because he was in the Belarus league, which I mean, I didn't even know they had a professional league that was good enough to, to make a, a jump from. But last year they resisted any urge to send him to the QMJHL. They insisted on keeping him with them. And, 
you know, it, I'd say it's gone well for them, given how he he's fared this year, about half a point a game to start out the year. Where where, where is he treading? It's a good question. Um, he's still only nineteen. Um, I can understand. I think these might be one of those situations where they would lean towards keeping him nearby, as opposed to going to junior to sort of bypass any of those bad habits being developed. That's what I would think. Yeah, I think that was a good move, right? Like, you know, obviously, so he's coming out of Belarus and that that's you know, not a very high-level European right. league. And, yeah. Um, there was obviously that raw talent there, but there it was very raw. And I think you want to get your your hands on him as fast as possible. And if you send him to junior, you you, you sacrifice a lot of that yeah. control. So I think that was the thinking last season with him, bringing him in as an 18-year-old, a very raw 18-year-old. Um uh, I think for him, it's just going to be a little bit of a ways, you know, like, um, but I, I, I think if you take a patient approach with him, you, that's your best chance for success because um, there's just a ton for him to learn, right? Like he didn't have a ton of high level experience. And I think, you know, in some ways he's behind the eight ball uh, and the other way though, he's only 18 or 19. So um, I think, I think they are taking the right approach with him and, um, but I think for that, for him, the jury still, you know, remains to be seen exactly what he might become. Yeah. If we were evaluating his development in the court system, he'd be in a hearing. I don't even know if he'd be in trial yet. This guy's so raw. Um, the, the next guy I want to talk about is, uh, Vasily Podolkin. Really tough start in Vancouver. No goals in 16 games. Goes on to Abbotsford, seven points in 11 games. Only fitting, I would think that he'd be there in Abbotsford, especially with, how things are going in Vancouver, maybe not the best kind of environment and, and maybe the most susceptible to young guys at that stage that they're in. So definitely encouraging to see him playing the way he is. And I think that, you know, it, it's interesting. Last year he played in 79 NHL games. Twenty Is this the season, Pat, of, of refined NHL players going to the A? Ty Smith, Pozlokin, like the list goes on and on. Like, I, I feel like that's like a recurring theme on the show. But anyways, without getting too much into that, He's in the A now, so I'm just curious what you would think as someone that's in the league. Even if he's not scoring through 16 games, it's good to send him down there, but it's not a little concerning given he played the full season last year with the team. Depends how you look at it, right? Like, yeah, he had 14 goals last year and uh, was a uh, was in the lineup, but uh, you know, sometimes the player is not necessarily a fully rounded player, right? Like they, the, the scoring there is the offensive abilities are there, but the rest isn't always catch up yet, right? And I think this is what he can get going down to Abbotsford. He was, he's, you know, Lane Peterson, uh, second in the league in goals. So he's part of a line there, top line with uh, Peterson and, and uh, Phil DiGiuseppe. So DiGiuseppe quietly kind of has almost 200 games of NHL experience. So uh, there's a lot to learn there. Uh, um, you know, Jeremy Colleton, uh, you know, young head coach, uh, already has you know, almost four years of NHL experience. Um, to work with, um, you know, maybe he was a little bit rushed last year, right? You know, and I think sometimes maybe that gets overlooked because, you know, on the surface, hey, 14 goals, 79 games as a rookie. Wow, pretty good, pretty good first season. But the question is, was that maybe masking some other things in his game? Um, we'll see. Uh, but, you know, I think the, these these assignments aren't permanent, right? Like if a player goes down there and, and quickly shows that, hey, they they figured out what they need to do. Then you know it's a forty five minute ride up back to Vancouver. So um, nothing's permanent. It's not like when you send a player back to junior. That's you know a pretty permanent decision for the year. 
this is, you know, I mean, my gosh, you look at the transactions page, players up and down every day. So send him back, get him some ice time. Uh, you know, for you don't want a player, I think, you know, especially as that, you know, that, you know, you went from, you know, game 15 to game 16, all of a sudden now you're, you've got no goals. And I don't care what, what anyone says, a young player that's going to, you know, wear on them, you know, so go down there, get a little bit of success, uh, you know, hit pause on, on, on the time in Vancouver and then come back when it's, when it's the right time. Jack Rathbone's probably the most, well, maybe not now, lot's been happening in Vancouver, but was at certainly one time a hot topic for that team and him not getting the lineup. But hey, he has not looked good at the NHL level. And, you know, in turn, he's back in the AHL, better in the press box. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that he is still a young player. I think it it, it definitely, you know, it kind of, I think the vision gets tainted when you realize, like, I think coming out of college, maybe everyone gets very excited by the fact that they're coming out. Maybe there's this idea that they're this refined player for whatever reason. But now it's, you know, it's his third year um, with the organization. Rathbone is still in the AHL and 23 years old from Boston. I, I think I think people are just wanting to see it come to fruition. But I got to tell you, he has not looked good in Vancouver. And, and it's no it's no shocker he's in Abbots for now. But as, as that roster gets torn down, as the deadline approaches and, and trades are due to come, his goal should probably be to aim to get back up to the lineup and play when opportunities arise. Yeah, that's usually a really good time for players that in that kind of situation. There's tons of them, my gosh, are all across, you know, this this level is guys who have one thing or another to work on. I mean, he's obviously very especially at the AHL level, dominant uh power play quarterback type player. Um, but you know, you can't necessarily be a specialist at the NHL level. So Nope. Yeah, I think a lot will depend on what Vancouver does. Um, if they really do, uh, really do, like you said, decide to tear it apart and um, start to strip the roster down, um, you know, you still have to play out the season, you know. So yeah. if, you, if you do lose, you know, three, four, or five, six, you know, pieces of that Vancouver lineup, depending on where it goes, yeah, you know, like um, you know, the last month or month and a half, it's a great opportunity to step in the lineup with. with not necessarily a ton of pressure, at least not, you know, you know, considering it's the NHL, there's always pressure, but you know, um, that could be a good, good window for him to, to really, you know, step in. So use this time now while you're in habits for, to work on rounding out your game. And then hopefully, you know, like if, you know, for Rathbone sake, then if, if, if it does pan out that way that, you know, he does when he gets that opportunity, you're ready to jump into the lineup and, and sometimes guys never come back. Um, you know, that's the last time they ever see the AHL for another 10 years. So we'll see. But uh, I think for him, that 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 would be, you know, if I was him, if I was advising him, I think that would be the course of action for him. Absolutely. And as someone, I saw the Jets Senators game uh, from the press box Tuesday night and, you know, Billy Hainola did not have the best game. What I, what I thought watching there was, okay, seeing it at an NHL pace, seeing these things happen. And by that, I mean below the hash marks and stuff. It's a different animal, the NHL, the AHL, those little details. Like even if you quote unquote master or improve on it in the AHL, it, unless it, unless you're treading water in the NHL at it, you can't be regular. Can you win with that player? That's the key. And Rathbone will have to prove that. Otherwise, you know, it's on him in that regard. Um, well, for today's show, that's it. Um, we're going to take a bit of a break for the holidays, but thank you to everyone for listening. For the first you know, couple of versions of this podcast, really excited about how this is played out in the early stages and i think that it's only get better as the season starts to really ramp up here um happy holidays merry christmas 
for my other friends out there, whatever you celebrate, happy holidays. And, and I, I celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. And uh, yeah, and we'll see you in the new year.